Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantenganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. I wanted to provide kind of a quick update on the Star Wars movie, and I thought I'd share it with you. Fair warning for you, if you haven't seen the movie and you still want to see it, I will have some spoilers in here. Actually, rather a lot of them, because I talk a lot about the movie. So on my last podcast, I said I was probably going to go see it again in a week or so after I kind of molded over in my head a little bit and thought it through. And that was the plan. And then I started watching some YouTube videos, you know, kind of shame on me in a way. And there were a lot of reviews about the Star Wars movie on YouTube. And some of them were pretty good. And some of them were actually very negative, including this one by the amazing Lucas. He was, he was all kinds of awesome. start this review by saying fuck this movie fuck this movie and fuck everyone in it excluding mark hamill see the thing is in spite of the fact that some of the early reviews were really glowing about this movie it turns out that there's a lot of very negative reviews about it as well and i find that kind of interesting and it made me sort of stop and rethink my position on it a little bit maybe it's maybe i shouldn't be rating it as high as an 8 or a 7 maybe it should be more like a 6 look the movie was immensely entertaining and i enjoyed it thoroughly and i did enjoy sitting there and watching the film but i think what i have to realize is that you have to compartmentalize the films into categories so you had the original 3 films that george lucas put together and those were terrific and they're standalone and they're wonderful and they have a certain meaning and significance and they're and they're just amazing films. Then you have the original episodes 1 through 3 that are okay and if you really kind of take an abstract look at the storyline, they're pretty good, but you can't really sit there and watch them because they're kind of dry and humorless and there's nothing really to them. They don't really tell the story the way maybe you'd expect them to. And now you have this new trilogy. And this new trilogy seems to be on a different bent. It's, it's slightly different in the way it, they approach the, the whole thing. And as I said, having different directors is kind of good in a way because it gives you a different perspective on the storyline. But on the other hand, it's actually kind of bad because you really don't get to see the storyline the way you might want to see it, the way it might lay out that would make the most sense. And it doesn't follow the original storyline. And in fact, Mark Hamill summed it up pretty well when he said... It's only a movie. And if you think you're going to go into the movie and recapture your childhood, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Because I think that's it. So when you watch the movie, Luke Skywalker seems kind of like a dud. It's not the character you expected to see from Luke Skywalker. It doesn't feel like Luke Skywalker. Nothing about it seems right. It just doesn't fit with what you think of as Star Wars. And that's my problem here. And as I start to think about it, I'm like, wow, that really doesn't work, does it? Because it's not the Luke Skywalker that we knew before. But if you kind of take it as an abstract view and you think about it a little bit differently, perhaps it works. Yes, they messed up the movie. It's not Star Wars anymore. It's not what we know is Star Wars. But was it bad? 
No, it was good entertainment. Yeah, the, the entirety of the rebel fleet is worn down and we start off with you know a couple of thousand people at the beginning of the film and by the end there's only about 15 people left that are uh, in the, uh, in the uh, rebellion at all because everyone's been killed off and it's kind of a sad way that they're being killed off. And as you watch it, you start thinking to yourself, I, I see where some of the troubles lie. You know, early on in the film when Leia comes, you know, gets blasted out of the starship, it's, you know, it's like, wow, that would be a fitting end for her if, she, if it actually just ended there. But instead, she uses this Mary Poppins-esque thing, I like the description someone gave of it, and she makes her way back into the ship. And it's kind of silly because it doesn't really fit even with what the Force is. But then, again, if we look at the original trilogy and then the first three episodes, we change from what the Force was, this living energy thing, to something that became this very silly Metachlorians thing. Where did that come from? Right? It's the same principle here where we've now we've evolved it again, and it's something else again where she's able to fly through space even though she's mostly dead. But it would have been a fitting end for Carrie Fisher's character had, in fact... They killed her off that way and they edited the film to make it work because she really added nothing to the story later. Uh, there wasn't anything about what she did that made it more interesting. They could have used some other character. In fact, uh, what was her name? Holdo, the, uh, the other character that Laura Dern played. She would have been fine in that role to just fill that in instead of being this goofy character who couldn't tell the truth about what they were doing. So you've got all that kind of playing in there. Then you've got the thing with Luke Skywalker and sort of his turning his back on the Force very weird, right? Just kind of a strange thing that you would never expect from him. And then you've got the whole storyline that's going on with uh, this underlying principle of, you know, the wealth and war and greed is what really drives the economy and drives the universe and is really what's wrong with society. And then they become this whole antithetical thing about uh, racism and uh, wealth distribution and all these other things. And they have very strong female characters and the males are all pushed to the side. And it turns out, if you really look at it, you want to step back and take a look, all the people that are in the First Order, for the most part, are all sort of white, male-dominated sort of people, right? And that all the people that are in the Rebellion are everyone else. So, you know, you could take it as a sort of a, a bent on what we're seeing in society today, where the white man is being, uh, is being villainized and everyone else is, you know, is supposed to be the heroes, so you see the problem here, and I understand why people don't like it, and I get it. Look, I have no idea what the, what the principle is here by the directors and J.J. Abrams and Disney, but it is a little weird. I'll give it that. But George Lucas did the same thing. You think about some of the lines and some of the things that happened in the first three episodes, it was the same kind of thing where you had these very odd sort of things, especially that Padme would say. You know, that's the kind of thing that you expect. And when you see that, you go, oh, yeah, okay. So it's not like George Lucas didn't kind of do the same thing in the original three episodes. And, and that's kind of my point. It's, this is a continuation of that. I think you know, it just bothers people to a large degree that there was so many things happening in this film and it didn't really carry on the, the fine Star Wars tradition. So 
you know, while it's entertaining and while things work, I, th- I think it's, you know, it's not exactly that. So I, I think that's part of it. And the other part has to do with the fact that the, the episode seven set us up with so many interesting questions and so many cliffhangers and so many things that we wanted to have answered. And we wind up disappointed that we find out Ray is really nothing. She has no backstory. There's nothing to her. She's not that interesting. Yes, her character is interesting, but her backstory isn't interesting. And they set us up with nothing. There was that whole force back sequence that she had, that flashback sequence that she experienced through touching the lightsaber. And some of the things didn't actually happen to that lightsaber. So it was kind of weird. The force showed her something that wasn't there for that lightsaber. And there was other things happening that we still don't have any context about, like the whole Knights of Ren. Yes, we know that you know they destroyed the Jedi Temple that Luke had set up, but that's all we know. It's kind of weird that they left that open. And we don't know any more about Snoke. We don't know who he is or what he stands for or what he represents. Is he Plagueis? Is he something else? Are we going to find that out later? Is it going to turn out that you know Snoke isn't actually dead and they're going to play a game with us in the next episode? Come on. you know. So those kinds of things where you just look at it and you go, there's a lot of oddities happening here that we didn't get questions answered. And it feels kind of like a slight in a way that we just that they left so many things just dangling out there in the last episode. And then this one, they just didn't share with us any new insights. So it moved along. The movie was, like I said, it was good. It was, you know, it was a good story um, as a standalone story. But in the Star Wars universe, yeah, I don't know if it really fits. Maybe it fits more like a Rogue One where it's a one-off Star Wars story rather than a main canon, you know, one of the nine episodes. It feels more like that. And maybe that's the way we need to look at these. It's just sort of standalone Star Wars stories instead of like part of the whole, the, uh, the collection of all the stories. And that's what's weird about all of this. It just doesn't quite fit, doesn't fit together, doesn't feel cohesive in a way that everything works that, works that way. You know, and in a way, I'm kind of sorry that I watched more videos about people who uh, didn't like the, the movie because it feels like I've don't want to watch it again. I probably still will. But at this moment, I'm kind of like, wow, maybe I don't want to see it again. I think I've seen enough and I don't think there's any new things to glean from it. I don't think there's anything else I can take away from it. Now, I did notice somebody pointed out a couple of subtle things. For one, in the last scene where Finn is getting the, uh, the blanket for Rose, uh, he opens up this cabinet and in there are the books, the Jedi books. So those are going to come back up to play in, in episode nine. It was a very subtle thing that they did. You know, and those kinds of things, they kind of got lost in the storyline there. And it would have been better if they'd have let us uh, own those and see them and, you know, could have understood them a little more or relished them and used them in the, you know, as thinking about what the next episode will be. So you kind of take that and you go, hmm, I wish they had just given us a little bit more of that. The other thing that was kind of disappointing, I think, to a lot of people was that whole fight scene with Luke uh, when he met up with Kylo Ren. So it's a force ghost. And we should have known that because he looked younger and his beard was different and he was using his other lightsaber, not the one he, he had. He was using the one that was broken. So, you know, because it's the green versus blue thing. So we should have recognized that was the blue lightsaber that was used uh, by him. But we, you know, we assume differently. And, you know, he didn't leave footprints in the salt. And that was, they were setting us up for that by showing us the way the footprints came out and the way the person tasted the salt and whatever. So they were telling us that. And we should have realized that that wasn't the case. And it seems so anticlimactic because... You know, here's Luke. He's supposed to be this great force user. He's supposed to be the last Jedi at that point in time. And he could have done so much more. He could have maybe, you know, he could have taken on all those ATATs and he could have taken on that giant uh, space laser thing and maybe destroyed them very easily using the force or, you know, cause some mayhem or chaos or something because he's supposed to be this great force user. But he didn't. And then that same scene, it would have been really 
good, I think, in the big scheme of things, if somehow Finn had managed to go ahead and destroy the, that big laser thing and uh, had destroyed it in some way and you know crashed his ship into it instead of Rose saving him. It just felt so wrong that Rose saved him. I was like, I was ready for him to die. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. It's a, good, it's a good end for him. You know, he's already taken, uh, he's already taken on um, Captain Phasma, and now it's time for him to, to pass on. And, you know, Captain Phasma coming back. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. That was a little annoying. And, uh, you know, her fight scene was good, but it wasn't great. It, there could have been so much more there. And, you know, she drew it out so long to actually fight with Finn that it just came off as kind of awkward. And it would have been nice to see that go a little bit deeper and just a little bit more interesting. I mean, that the fight scene that Anakin and Obi-Wan had on uh, Mustafar back in episode three, that was a great fight scene. It was too long, but it was a fantastic fight scene. And we didn't get any of that here. We were missing all of that. Even the one between Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Sir Alec Guinness, and uh, Darth Vader in the uh, episode four, you know, while it was a kind of a cheesy fight scene and neither one could actually handle the lightsaber, the concept was good and they played it well, as though they were having an epic battle. So it really did feel like they were having an epic battle. Where there was nothing like that here, where there was an epic battle, whether it was Luke and Kylo Ren or, or whether it was Captain Phasma and Finn, it just didn't feel like there was that epic battle. And while Finn and Rose went off to try and get the Savecracker to come back and help them, that just seemed like an unnecessary contrivance. And it probably would have been better if they'd have written it in a way where it turned out to be nothing or they wound up getting captured you know, before anything else happened and they gave up information, something else like that, rather than them having to go through this whole sequence of trying to get the guy, you know, clever idea, they get captured, something happens, blah, 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 would have been much more interesting than him helping them and then them and then something happening. It just feels like it was, it was sort of lacking something. And, you know, so they wind up finding the guy who just happens to be in the cell with them, who happens to be a safecracker, who happens to have information. You know, how could he be anything but a duplicitous person? And you're going to trust this guy? You know, it just feels like, again, we were kind of sucked into something that was meaningless. And there was really no reason for it. So the whole thing just kind of came together very awkwardly as a strange story. And it didn't always make sense. And I think that's where I realize now that it's, it's lacking something. It's just lacking that little something. Now, uh, the director did say that there was an extra 30 minutes of film that he cut out. So when they do release it to DVD in, I think it's March sometime... It will be interesting to sit down and watch that extra 30 minutes to see if that helps the storyline at all, because perhaps they'll fill in some of these gaps and blanks, and perhaps they'll solve for a couple of these problems and make things a little bit cleaner. Because I think if you know the story, it's one thing, but if you if you don't know the story, you may take something else out of context and not understand it. So that's my take on it. So it's entirely possible that we're just missing something that would be an important element to have. And I know they did that in... Um, some of the other, some of the earlier films, when they had some things and they left some pieces on the what they call the cutting room floor, it just seemed to be lacking something, and there were some pieces there. So that would be my take. Perhaps there's some things in there. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And again, not a bad movie, just lacking something. It lacked that heart, that that moment, that that gravitas, that something that just made you feel really good about Star Wars and the storyline. I feel. I keep feeling kind of dirty that Luke turned into kind of a slug, that he, he turned out to be, you know, nothing. After all he did and how good he was, yeah, he tried teaching Jedi, okay, and he had this crazy moment where he wanted to kill Kylo. Okay, well, why? You know, and then why did he just give up at that point? And why did he just quit? And th- then why did he give the map to somebody to say, hey, come find me if you ever have a problem? What was that all about? Because he really had no intention of helping anybody. And just was a crazy old man. And yes, he became a crazy old wizard. He became Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I guess in a way makes sense. But he needed that little piece of information, that one extra thing 
that helps me make that, that leap to understand that he became Obi-Wan. So there you go. And uh, that he really wasn't as bad as all that. So that is it. That's kind of what I wanted to bring back up to talk about a few things in Star Wars that started to bother me and nag at me a little bit and just share them with you. So that's my podcast for this time. It's sort of a fill-in for the last time and just uh, to make something interesting. So that's it for this time. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there... Please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 